0: evening. Wow, we got to do better. Come on now, let's wind down tonight well. Good evening. evening. There you go. I am so glad to be here tonight and and just blessed uh, and highly favored to be in such an awesome place with such awesome people. Uh, I I believe Pastor Jim, as he was sharing, and and really what I want to share tonight as well, there are principles in life that operate with or without us. They're called laws. One is called sowing and reaping. Some might call it karma. Uh, sowing and reaping is a law, as he was talking about generosity. It's a law. It operates with or without you. You, you find out that you can't give, out, give more than God. It's a, it's a principle of life. Um, uh, the law of attraction. Uh, it, it's true. It's a law. It, it, uh, who you are is what you attract. Um. I always love to do this. I love to teach in front of uh, many different groups um, from the jail to Salvation Army to CEOs or or whatever it may be. And tonight I get to be in a church where I feel most comfortable probably. But tonight I I feel good because no matter where I'm going to teach this, I know that it's a law and it's a principle. So it's going to work no matter who you are, where you're at or where you are with God. And that's what it's always cool because I hope in this room, quite frankly, there are people who are kicking the tires of who God is. I hope there are people here going, you know what? You're going to talk a little bit about Jesus. I'm not sure about him. I'm just kind of kicking the tires. I'm going to tell you you're in the right place because this is the right church for you to do that because this is a safe place for your spiritual journey. Amen. All right. So I hope there are people here tonight going, "I I don't know necessarily if i believe it but i'm on my journey but i'm going to tell you no matter where you are in your journey that i'm going to talk about a law and the principle That applies no matter where you are. Tonight, I want to go just beyond biblical and theological. I also want to go psychological and sociological, if that's okay. Because some of you might go, I don't know if I believe in theology, that I'm going to prove it psychologically as well as sociologically. Is that okay? What I want to talk about tonight is a principle that works without you or with you, but when you work with it, it's an um unbelievable abundant life that you're going to live. (laughs) I do this once in a while, and and with your permission, Pastor, especially, uh, may I take a picture? All right, I, I do this occasionally and just when I feel like it, to quite frankly. Um, and, and if it's okay, I, I just like to take a picture and right now you're looking beautiful. Now do a crazy picture. Oh, wow, you guys are not crazy. Come on, man, it's only 7.30, come on. All right, and, and real quick, I'm just gonna do a video and just, uh, all right. Now, hey, hold on, hold on. And I'm gonna bring it back right over here where the beautiful people are, right over here. Thank you so much for doing that. In life, you're going to find out that you're not defined by a snapshot of life, but rather a video. I'm going to preach tonight. If I was defined by a snapshot, you'd be embarrassed of what you would see in front of you if I was 25 years old. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, that sometimes people define you by your snapshot in life. But I want to tell you that God says, no, it's, it's more about a video. It's not about a moment. It's about a journey. So I always say that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So tonight I hope that the, the students are ready, including myself and my heart. Because whenever the student is ready, I hope you're ready. I believe the teacher will appear. And he has a law and a principle that he wants to share, that he shares without the, throughout the word of God, but also even the way that he destined us and he created us in his, our mother's womb in Psalm 139. He, he, he did a tapestry in us that's created us to be a certain way where we can live an abundant and full life. And you've got to say, man, is the student ready because the teacher is about ready to appear. And then Lord, would you just now uh, be with us? And Lord, let not the word return void, but rather that we would, in fact, be in preparation to obey that which we're going to hear. God, forgive us that we don't get ready to obey that which we are here, but we we consider a suggestion. God, let us not be a people tonight who are following you that think this is a suggestion, but rather that you would move us into obedience. And I do this in your son's name. Amen. I'm passionate about this because it's changed my life. I'm passionate about it because it's biblical, but I also am passionate about it because the more you learn, and I'm 53 years old right now, and and how it applies to my wife and my children and my friends. Tonight, I want to talk about belonging. Tonight, I want to talk about friendship. Pastor Jim and I, we've known each other 23 years. I've known Pastor Jim, his name, for 23 years. I've got to know him really only the last two years, and I would share this with you. Tonight, I'm not even talking about this. I'm not talking about knowing one another. Tonight, when I'm talking about belonging, it's the next layer down. It's the next level. It's that place where you would say, as we're wired, is that we belong to one another. And many times we can say we belong as a group here. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that deep connection to another person or persons in our life. Jesus actually modeled it for us. He modeled it, as I said on Sunday morning, within the Trinity. He modeled this relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And there is no way that we can, in a narrative way, try to bring congruence. So if you ever use the, the analogy of an egg, please stop. If you ever use water, you know, it's, it's liquid and steam and ice, and it's kind of like the Trinity. No, it isn't. It's supernatural. It's three in one. One. And their relationship with one another then is Jesus, he's pushing it out into the narrative of the Gospels and saying, as we are in one, I'm going to show you what it looks like. And what I show you is a complete reflection of who we are. So the relationship I have here with the Father and the Spirit is what I'm going to show you that I have here and have here. So, it's something that's very ingrained in, in the narrative of Jesus, the story of the Gospels. In John 15, I'll begin with the theology and, and a little bit of the biblical. Jesus, in one of his most famous passages in John 15, he, it's the passage about the, uh, the vine and the branch. And, and it's a beautiful part where he says, as you're connected to me and the vine and the branch, there's gonna be fruit and there's gonna be more fruit and there's gonna be much fruit. As you're as intimate and tied to the, the source, you're going to bear fruit. It's gonna be natural. And then he goes, and, and apart from me, you can't do anything. You might think you're doing something, but it's not fruit that's that passage. And in John 15, he says this, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all that I've heard from my father. I've made known to you. That's that's so beautiful to know that as I've watched the Father in my, my fleshly, whole, fully God and fully human, 100% in my humanity and my holy percent in my, in my deity, Jesus is saying, as, as, as I've found and watched my Father and I've shown and done only what he tells me to do and only what he shows me to do, I'm not going to hide that from you because you're my friend. As you obey me, I'm going to reveal it. I'm not going to play hide and go seek. I'm not cosmic. I'm a personal God. Jesus says, I'm a friend. for the those who are connected to me as a vine is to the branch, you're my friend. I'm not going to play a hand and go seek. As, I, as he reveals to me, I'm going to reveal to you. And now, as he's now gone, left, ascended, and someday he's going to return, he said, I'm going to leave you my comforter. I'm going to leave a teacher. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to lead an inspirer. I'm going to lead someone who might convict you. It's called the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. And that relationship is holy and true. But he goes, man, as as one would lay down a life for someone, man, that's called love as a friend. And I think sometimes we'd say that might be a a physical um, uh, type of death. And I'm not doubting that. But I live by a paradox principle that says this. The more that I die, the more I get to live. See, I think it might be easier to die once than to die every day. Mm, Let me say that. It might be easier for me to die once than die to my marriage every day. It might be a little more simple if I would just die once because dying daily to my selfishness is maybe tougher than just dying once in my life. You see, in recovery, you got to die over and over, moment by moment. In my marriage, I have to die to my selfish, and as I die, I get to live. See, as I die to myself, I get a greater marriage more than I've ever, ever imagined. So as I am a friend... The more that I die to my selfish ways with no motive and take that out of me, God says, now I'm going to show you something deep inside of you. You would have never have found any other way, but to live, you must die. That sounds like step one to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. I can't do it. But take that into our friendship. Say, tonight I want to talk about the principle of belonging. I'm talking about that love that can only be found in that, uh, in a koinonia type way, as it talks about in Acts chapter 2. It's a, it's a deep, profound love that we have for one another. But I'm going to drill down and say, man, it's probably between one or two or maybe three different people in your life that you say, I'm going to go to a level and die to everything that wants to come out, and I'm going to take it and die so that I get to live that's what I'm talking about. So tonight, that's where I'm going to go with. That's, that's kind of the theological side. Now I want to go to the psychological side. Maslow had a hierarchical needs of our life for every human being. He said in the hierarchy, he said, physiological needs, my food, my water, basically my survival. That's number one. That's a foundation. Next is my safety, my security. And next is my belongingness and love needs, the intimate relationships and friendships in my life to love and to be loved. Next is esteem needs, and some actually get to self-actualization or your purpose, and, and, and you get to, to, to build and, and birth every all the full potential that you might have. But it's interesting that even Maslow said, man, in the foundation of a triangle of our needs is this deep desire for belonging. Our brain puts out three different things. It's sugar, nitrogen, and actually a, a, a type of endorphin that it can only be found in relationships. Henry Cloud even says, he goes in the nine laws of happiness, happy people are connected people based on a 10 year study. So I'm gonna lay out the biblical, but I also wanna bring out the psychological. As the great psychologists tell us, that the, the desire for connectedness is tied to the health of who we are, and without it, you will be a, by law, an unhealthy, unhappy person. So that's the depths of some of the psych, psychological side of it. Sociologically, Dr. Brené Brown. I don't know how many of you have ever seen TED Talks. Can you? Have you ever ever watched TED Talks? Amen. Just 18 minutes, man, and I'm good, right? Can't go more than 18 minutes long. If you want to see the top, it's over 30 million um, views. Dr. Brene Brown did a 10-year study on um, connectedness and the power of it. Now, you got to listen to this, but I I would encourage you to go to ted.com and just put in the word Brene Brown and or vulnerability. This is what she found in 10 years. She said, wholehearted people, wholehearted people is the only way she could define it. She goes, there's something thematically through all of my studies. Thank you, brother. All of my studies that I can only define it by wholehearted people. It seems like there's something that I don't know how to define, but they're the, they're the ones that live this abundant life. And I've got to call it wholehearted, wholehearted people. What do they have in common that I'm finding over 10 years of studies, years of narratives and, and testimonies and focus groups? And she found out the wholehearted people live in deep connect, uh, connection with one another. And then she goes on and, and she uses the word they're, they're courageous. The Latin word for courageous is Heart. So the deepest connected people have the greatest wholehearted life. And what they find is they're the most courageous and vulnerable with their imperfections. She didn't like what she found. So she had to go through a year long on her own psychological analysis of her own life. So she didn't like what she found because she didn't, she didn't like what she found in her studies. And the courage said this, they were compassionate to be kind to themselves first then compassionate to others because you cannot be compassionate to others until you're compassionate to yourself. Maybe some of you, that's the only word you need to walk away with tonight. Amen. You see, um, love love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others as yourself. And you cannot love others until you love yourself. And that's what she found, secular. Secular. This isn't biblical. This is secular. And what she said is you have to be compassionate to yourself until you are compassionate to others. And they had this in common. They fully embraced vulnerability. They believed that what made them vulnerable made them beautiful. Come on now. What made them beautiful was that they were vulnerable about their imperfections. Saying I love you first. Doing something with no guarantees. Willing to invest in relationships that might or might not work. Those are the most wholehearted people. Vulnerability is the core of shame and fear. Now listen, get this quote. Vulnerability might be the core of shame and fear, but it's also the birthplace of creativity, joy, and belonging. So what holds us back from that is shame. And what do we do with shame? We numb it. How do we numb it? All kinds of ways. What's interesting about addiction? Now listen to this. You cannot numb one feeling without numbing all of them. Amen. So if you numb pain, you're going to numb joy. If you numb abandonment, you're going to you're going to numb happiness because it it, it it doesn't have the ability our body to numb separate, but only general. See, what's amazing is what this study found is the more vulnerable that I am and more compassionate about my imperfection is the more wholehearted life I will live. And for me, that's called manhood. See, the greatest things I do as a man is not the things that people get to see in, 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 the, in the public and in, in, in light. It's actually what I do in the dark when I have to have a tough conversation with my wife or when I have to share a sin with my accountability partner. See, those are the moments that I have to be most vulnerable. And it takes all of my energy to come out and say, this is going to be worth it because it's going to make me whole. According to James 5, it's actually going to heal me. Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. I don't know if you're convinced yet so so what's true friendship to me it's the, the word loyal comes to my mind Proverbs seventeen seventeen says a friend loves at all times and a brother is born out of adversity how many of you know sometimes friends are closer than your family amen yeah. uh, I've got a great family they're 1200 miles away So my best friend is my closest family. Friendship is next level living. Some of us are in this room and and, and let's be honest, just because of the size and the numbers. Some of us are living with acquaintances and friends that quite frankly, don't take you to the next level. They take you down a level. Hmm. Some of you need to hear this word right here. Some of you need to build a boundary in your life because they're taking you to death rather than life. Some of you have to understand that you, an acquaintance doesn't always mean that they're for you. Sometimes they're using you for something greater for their own life. See, friends don't take you a level. They take you to a new level. That's the type of friend I'm talking about. When I talk about next level, it's, it's Proverbs 27:17, a very famous verse. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. And that doesn't mean we always agree because sometimes we have tough discussions, David and I, because he's known me for 17 years. He knows my secrets. He can take me down. Do you have that type of friend in your life? Because in that friendship and with my wife as my next dear friend as well. Now hear this out. In my marriage, there are times that I need to be accountable outside of that with another friend. Yeah. That's that brother, brother and brother sharpening one another because sometimes it's got to be clearing my head and my heart about my wife and my marriage that he needs to be confrontational. My wife knows and if she was here tonight, she would say this, 23 years marriage, five years of an affair I had on her and, and she would say it's because he let other men in his life and David has an access to her and she has access to him at any time. If I screw up, she can call him. My affair was with the ministry, by the way. You know, you know, it's really tough to battle an affair of a ministry. Remember, an affair is not a sexual act, that's the outcome many times. An affair is whenever you move your heart to someone or something else rather than your wife or your husband. That's an affair. I moved my heart away from my wife and she sat at home waiting for me and I never came home because I had a beautiful bride that everyone loved out there and that was called the Ministry to Youth. And I had 200 youth. Who could argue against that? Except my wife sat at home with the baby waiting on me to come home and I never came home. You see... This is why I'm passionate about this because she would say what turned us around 18 years ago that was that Brian let other men in his life for the first time and finally let one man get close to him who was accountable to. That's the power of what I'm talking about. So David takes me to a next level. That's the type of friendship. Do you have that type of friendship in your life? Because if not, you're going to get picked off. You will get picked off. And we might be sitting in that destiny right now, but that's not your future. That's your, that's your picture, but that's not your video. We're talking about things that will take you to a new level and a new trajectory. That's what we're talking about here. Finally, a friend always leaves you better than when you came. A friend always leaves me better than when I came. Colossians chapter three. Put on then as God's chosen people, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, and bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against one another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you almost must, you you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds them everything together in perfect harmony. Man, when you have a friend like that, they always leave you better than when you came do you have that friend? I mean, do you have that running mate? Do you have that in your relationships? Because some of you where you're sitting right now, you need to get some rid of some of your quote unquote friends. And some of you need to go to the next level with those that want you to succeed. See, a friend doesn't have motive. Let me tell you what a real friend is. Their only motive is that you win. And if you win, they don't gain anything except they they got you to win. That's a friend. I'm a friend to people because I want them to win and I don't gain anything from it. Someday I'll sow and reap and God will give me a reward in heaven. But I am not gonna gain. If you have those type people, those are not friends. Those are users. They're manipulating you. And you could be sitting near them. Amen? Be careful. Be careful who you're running with. And by the way, you might be enabling somebody and you think that's friendship. That's not. No, friends lift you up. And it goes both ways. Both ways. That's the type of friendship that we're talking about. So talk back to me. With all this said, why, why, don't, why don't we have these friends? I mean, just off the top of your head, just talk to me. Why? What, what, the, the type of friendship that I'm talking about. It, it statistically, they say that 93% of men are lonely. That means only 7 to mostly 10% of us actually have a best friend. So statistically in here, there's not many of us as men that have what I'm talking about in terms of friends. So men, let's take the knife right now. All right. And just say most of us in here don't have this, this type of friend. Now tell me why. All right. Okay, so we've put up walls because we've been betrayed. We've been hurt. Amen? I mean, most of us can sit in here and go, how many of us have been hurt, betrayed, or abandoned? Amen? All right. Double hands on some of us. Right? True. Why else? Why else don't we, we go to that level? Uh, I, I think as men,
1: we're taught to be macho, self-sufficient, believer.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's a general good statement. Yeah. Yeah. So women are called to be that they are more natural in relationships or better at it. May I define that and say, you're better in terms of that relationship, but not necessarily better or knowing better in relationships that you do it better. I, I, I don't believe that is, is true. However, you do have some natural bent toward being able to open up almost like at a grocery line. You're like, hey, how are you? You're moving, can we talk? I mean, (laughs) you don't know them, you just wanna share. So don't assume that you do it better in terms of going to that next level because sometimes, ladies, you gotta be careful because you might be speaking ill against others, including your husband. Be careful. Husbands, be careful that you're not doing that as well. But by nature, men, we've been taught, put your big pants on, don't, t- don't cry, and sure to heck, don't act weak. And the best way that you act weak is if you cry and tell all your problems, shut up and get on. That's what we've been taught. We've been socialized. And then way we find out in life is that we're on the wrong mountain. Because when we once get to the top of the mountain, go, oh my gosh, look where I've been. And they taught me that, and I'm on the wrong mountain. Because really what we find out the more we die, the more we get to live is that we actually find healing in those relationships that we're vulnerable with. We've been taught wrong. So really our manhood has to come out not in our machismo, that's, that's cheap, but rather in our authenticity and our vulnerability where I have to force myself to go to a place that naturally I don't want to go. Amen? Amen men real quick in terms of relationship intimacy with a woman is going to be found when you're open with them because their greatest need in their life is to have emotional connection and the only way that they find emotional connection is when we're honest vulnerable sharing with our veers and our vision they find their heart to be moved and molded over Amen? amen and it's so unnatural to men we do it well in courtship but once we put the ring on it's over you're going where the heck did he go Not to put us on a spot, men, but. um, So we have to understand that being vulnerable, especially from a woman to a man, they they need our heart. And that's so hard because we've not been taught to be that way. What else? What else? Why else? Why? What am I talking about that you're going, I think I might agree or I just don't do it. Why? Fear. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. Fear of being rejected. Yeah. Yeah. Fear of being rejected and actually down deep, there's this voice in our life that says, you can't do it, you're not worth it. It's called shame. Amen? So go to Brene Brown on TED Talks and put in the word shame and you're gonna hear a 17-minute video on shame that is absolutely mind-boggling. Because there's a voice that says, you don't deserve it, you don't deserve a full life and there's a voice voice that says, don't let them know because if you let them know, all hell breaks loose. And that's a lie. That's a lie. I'm not talking about anybody off the cuff that I'm going to have this conversation with, but then let's go to the next point. How do you then go into this relationship? If we walk away tonight and we just go, hey, man, that was really good. I don't know what to do with it, but that was really good. Let's talk about, well, if we walk away going, man, I want to obey this. I I want something more. Then what do we do? What are some good steps that we take? Okay, you didn't hear it right. (laughs) Okay, well, <laughs> I'm in a good audience, I guess. What do we do? Okay, take a risk. Okay, so let me put it this way and couch it, that you have to be safe as well. If you want a friend, you're going to have to create a safe place in your friendships and your marriages. That means you don't become defensive. Defensive. That means that you're not going to become angry. It means that you can, you can depress and allow and engage. And it means that I'm just not hearing you, but I'm listening to you, which means I'm not getting ready for my response to, <laughs> as you're talking to me that no one else does except me. But when, when my wife's talking to me, I'm actually repeating back to you here. So what I hear, what you are saying is this. So, so I heard what I heard you saying is, is that, is that you need to create a place that you listen well, correct? Just by doing that, I acknowledge that. I heard what you said, and and I think I repeated it correctly, right? I was actively listening. You've got to be able to create a safe place to belong to somebody, which means you have to be an active listener. Thank you. What else? How do I move in to say, I want something deeper than what I have?
1: any value placed on me i was never expected to succeed i was never expected to do anything i was never expected so so when someone talks to me it oh i always hear negativity yeah. even though it might be they're concerned about me even though they may have my best interest in mind in mine, i i respond and have for many years and you know doing everything i can since I met you to get out of that but I'm always waiting I'm always preparing my response because I feel like I'm being devalued even more so that's your filter yeah
0: that's your glasses that you've lived
1: yeah and I think I think something that helps us is when we choose to value people and know that God values us
0: Somewhere along the line, I had to work through my performance complex, and I'm not there yet. <clears throat> but I actually believed that I had to perform for God's blessing and his love. That's how I was brought up. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So that was part of this view of, I'm going to perform for you so you'll be my friend. Because that's what I do for God. Until you find out that he loves you in your obedience as he much he loves you in your sin. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. And then our position in Christ says that I'm his son, I'm holy, I'm blameless because he sees me through the cross. And if you've come to know faith in Jesus Christ, he sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ, which means he sees you as his son, his daughter, his co-heir, blameless, righteous. So if I can put on that view and I have that covering me, then I can go into relationship and say, I'll be vulnerable with you because I know I'm 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 the child of the king. Not in my arrogance, but in humility, I know that Jesus paid the price for my sin so that I am in total eternal relationship with the Father no matter what. I hope you have that relationship because then it shaped my earthly relationships. Because no longer did I have to get your approval, I already had his. Amen? I'm preaching. Because that shaped that I no longer had to perform for this person, including my wife. So no longer do I have to perform for her love. I respond to it and I want to do it. And if we're living life trying to please God in that performance mentality, you're going to have a whacked out friendship as well. You're going to have a whacked out marriage until you understand your position in Christ and no longer do you perform, but you respond. And there's a big difference there. What else do we do? Uh, let, me, let me wind up and I'm done. I get bored of myself after 30 minutes. I'm like bored of me. So thank you. You'll, if I'm bored of me, I'm sure. <laughs> so I'm gonna end up. Hmm. I was sitting next to the guy for for many months and years that began my best friend and all I had to do is say, man, I want to go deeper. Do you want to go deeper? See, most of your deep relationships are probably most likely in front of you and you've been running with them for a while and it's gained trust and there's chemistry, but you've never gone to that level (laughs) with a person to say, can I go to the next level with you? And if they're not ready, don't go there. But many times they'll say, "I've been waiting for you to ask that question." See, sometimes you're already running with them; you just never gone to the deep level. Most of us don't need more acquaintances. We already have 150. There's a there's a law that says most of us have 150 relationships. I don't need another 151. I just need two or three really good ones, man. If you die with this, you're good talking to the guys that know your soul, yeah. know your crap, still love you anyway, but don't want you to stay there. They're going to take you to the next level. That's the f- type of friend. Finally, let me give you a couple other things. You got to be good. You got to create a place where you're a safe friend. Number two, you got to create places of belonging. You got to be intentional. Happy people are intentional about their happiness, You see, you've got to figure out the connectedness will make you happy. Guarantee it always. And you're going to have to work at it, which means you're going to have to sacrifice time for it, finances for it, and some of your own character building through it. But you're going to have to be putting time into doing this because it's not just going to happen naturally. It's an hour and a half every Tuesday morning that he and I meet. And trust me, I've got a guy that runs Tampa and Fort Myers back and forth and my schedule, and we still give out an hour and a half of our lives. Why? Because our marriages matter, our families matter, and my soul and his soul matter. So we sacrifice. So how do I begin? Pray. Begin praying. I'll tell you one thing God will answer, this prayer. All throughout scriptures, two by two, what do you do? Go two by two. He just modeled it. Jesus, Peter, James, and John, Mount of Transfiguration, Gethsemane. Just just look all over the place, and he's got the boys right beside him. He could have done it different, by the way. You know that. He could have modeled it different, but he didn't. He modeled belonging. So for those who are of faith in here, from a theological, biblical, I would say I don't think we have an excuse. He modeled it for us. So let me give you a practical thing. Maybe it's a conversation that you go out with someone and go, can we begin just to go through a journey? Because I need this. Um, Men, I encourage you to get a book. Every Man's Battle. That'll open some doors. Every Man's Battle. Because that'll take you into a journey that we need to go into, and it's deep. It's deep. Ladies, um, (laughs) there's a book that I I just love the title. She's got issues and uh, (laughs) true. (laughs) They wrote it. I didn't. That's the real title. Because sometimes we need the tool to open up the doors and, and if you're moving into a place right now, and let me talk to you about um, some of you who are in recovery. You will not reach the destiny that God has for you without this principle. The theme is all throughout. And then those that don't think they're in recovery and lying, because we're all in recovery. Amen? amen. Somebody... <laughs> I didn't mean to go there, pastor. I think, most, I think all people are in recovery. They just all have had hurts habits and hangups and they just haven't admitted it yet. So I'm in recovery. We've got to understand that this is part of our life of healing, of blessing, and it's a law. And it operates with us or without us. Tonight, it's been a snapshot. Thank you for being so kind. Thank you for being for honoring. I mean that, thank you. But I'd also want to close here. Pity the man that looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets what he looks like. Pity us. If in our spirit we know that was truth, but we didn't do anything about it. Oh, that tonight we would be prompted to go. I want I'm going to make the move. And I might risk it all. It's worth the risk. I've been betrayed. I've been spoken against. He took from me. And he won. Dang it. My best friend broke my freaking heart. me and he won and he got what he wanted but it didn't keep me from going back and saying that I'm going to get another friend because I want everything that God wants for me it's part of pain it's part of life going to have to go back into it to win. Amen. There's a man, God named Jesus and he, he paid the price. You know, sometimes when I, I share, it's almost kind of almost supernatural because I believe my God is supernatural. It's not always intellectual, but he's supernatural. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you go, I don't know what happened tonight, but there's something that engaged me. Maybe for the first time in my life, I can't even deny it. And I just want to let you know that was God. And God engaged you tonight. And he said, I love you. I just want to let you know that I love you. And by the way, I sent my son for you to die for you. And and I know you're messy because I'm messy, but I sent him for you. And you can't deny that you felt it. And that was just God saying, I love you. Some of you need to know that God loves you, man. Let's pray. So Father God, Thank you just for grace, a mess like me. Thank you for this group of people that we just acknowledge right now, we're all messy. But Jesus, you're perfect and you died on the cross for our sins so that we could be reconnected with our Creator Father. So just thank you for just paying the price, dying, but resurrected, ascending into heaven and someday you're gonna come back for your church and your people. But most of all, thank you for loving us and allowing us to live here on this earth abundantly and to the full as well. Thank you for eternal life. Man, thank you for life on this earth that we can do together and with you. So all heads bowed. If if some of you just go, Brian, I don't know what happened. I know that God engaged me. If that's you, just raise your hand for God and thank you. Just can't, you can't deny it. And he just wanted to let you know that he loved you. But then also he goes to the next step and he said, I gave my son for you. And it's your choice because God's a gentleman. He's not going to push his way in. But maybe for the first time to say, man, I'm a sinner, only saved by grace and what Jesus did on the cross. And I just want to accept what he did on the cross tonight in a simple way. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick just to say, yeah, thanks. And some of us here, we just go, man, I, I recognize right now that I'm lonely in a group of people and I need a friend, so I'm gonna pray. And if that's you, just raise your hand right now and just be a thank you all over. I just need a friend. God, would you answer these prayers? First of all, let us love us so we can love others. So I pray that we see us in your view and not our view, that we would see us in the way you see us rather than the way others see us. And then I pray for friendships and I pray for deeper friendships and I pray for these moments in life where we gotta make a choice. Will we be vulnerable or we will live in the lie of a mask, oh God? move us into vulnerability authenticity and also this beautiful relationship with you so we can move forward thank you for this place thank you for these people thank you that you created us in your image and you love us dearly and we do this in jesus name and everyone said amen amen